Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, super glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. And uh, they're all crazy today. So if you had any hopes for a good martini... Better luck on Tuesday. Uh, You know what also is crazy, Jim, is that neither of our teams bothered to show up yesterday in the NFL. Uh, The Bears and the Jets combined for zero touchdowns and less than 100 yards rushing. The Bears did get six points on the board. Uh, Both teams gave up 26, but uh, pretty bleak Sundays for both of us. I guess we should just move on, huh? Yeah. And Greg, you at least have, you know, a young quarterback who didn't look good yesterday, but that everybody's raving about. Zach Wilson has not looked good for three straight weeks. Um, And this, you know, what's even worse is just general overall incompetence and really bad play calling. And Robert Sala, the new head coach of the Jets, really took an Adam Gase-like approach of saying that they had really good practices during the week. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's great. I'm really glad to hear that. That's that does a lot of good. I don't know if they've noticed though that the fans watch on Sundays and sometimes on Mondays. So doing a great job Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That really doesn't help things as much. I'm not I'm not paying to attend the practices. I'm paying to go to the games. So there you go. Yeah, there are Adam Gase level calls for Matt Nagy's uh, firing uh, today. So I doubt that's going to happen imminently, but. Uh, if it doesn't turn around soon, uh, it could be sometime this year or at the end of the season. But we'll see. Three games in, uh, but not not a lot to uh, point to an optimistic rest of the season for either of us. But uh, let's get to the crazy. First two deal with the bloated, officially $3.5 trillion spending bill. But uh, most economists say it's at least $5 trillion, if not more. Uh, over at the Daily Signal, which is the news arm of the Heritage Foundation, Adam Gallet of Accuracy and Media points out another insane provision of this bill. We talked about how the IRS is going to be snooping on virtually every transaction. Uh, if your account has uh, more than $600 in it, we'll get a load of this when it comes to the media. He says uh, one piece that hasn't received much attention yet is a special journalism tax credit equal to 50% of the salary of each journalist up to $50,000 per journalist annually. Yes, that's correct. Your tax dollars would be paying 50% of the salary of many journalists, whether you like their reporting or not. Think of it as a way to turn every news outlet in America into a version of NPR. Let's be clear. Quote, unquote, saving the media would destroy the media. How could we ever trust journalists to accurately cover the elected officials who voted against their funding? or for it. Uh, How can you speak truth to power when you're also pleading with that power for cash? Which news outlets would get the funding and which would be snubbed? Any pretense of objectivity would be destroyed once the media is on the federal payroll. And Jim, I'm pretty sure the pretense of objectivity (laughs) evaporated a long time ago, but uh, this was news to me. I don't uh, hear anybody else talking about this. Utterly insane. And his point is right. Uh, I mean, basically, if uh, journalists, at least 50% of their salary, comes from the uh, the federal government, going to be pretty hard to uh, to critically cover the people who are responsible for getting you your money. Greg, you and I are about to make a really strong argument against our own interest, and arguably against the interest of our employers. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, wait, oh, we can take a giant deduction for employing journalists? All right, let's dig into that. Uh, no, I don't like this. I don't think this is a good idea. And I suspect, because I know that... Um, Andrew Yang had a a somewhat similar proposal back when he was running for president. He's trying to address a real problem. 
That real problem is in a lot of communities across the country, the local newspaper is dying, the local news organizations are dying, state house reporters, people covering the state legislature uh, are getting rarer and rarer. And I think the public is badly served by this. I think that we are, uh, journalism is good. Sunlight is the, the best disinfectant. And if you want to know what the government is doing, or really what anybody's doing, what any institution in the world, big corporations, small corporations, um, law enforcement, uh, uh, activist groups, um, you know, like, like journalism is, is, the, is the work of informing the world of what's going on. And so, yes, it is a noble profession. It can be a noble profession. And in fact, I think it's necessary for a free society. That said, when the government funds it or runs it, it's not the same thing. And if you love NPR and if you love BS, terrific. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of huge exposés of mismanagement at NPR coming from reporters at NPR. You're not going to see a lot of exposés about mismanagement at the public broadcasting system from reporters at PBS NewsHour. That's just not the way this works. It's, you know, nobody investigates themselves. Nobody holds themselves accountable. Journalist institutions are really good at holding other institutions accountable. And that's why we need a whole bunch of them so they can all look over each other's shoulder. Um, and by the way, the more investigative reporters you have on a particular area, the, the chances are uh, the more truth that's going to come to light. So um, it's bad for the media. It's bad for the government because eventually that, you know, if you don't think that funding won't eventually be used as leverage, uh, then you're just unbelievably naive about how government works, about human nature and things like that. And again, I think um, th this is work that is much better used for independent charitable foundations. And, and but like, you know, we have charitable deduction in our taxes. The government, you know, we, we do change our tax code because we want people to do certain things. Like if you buy a Tesla, allegedly you're helping the environment and that's why you should get $7,500 off your, off your car purchase or your tax credit. Uh, that the guys that the guy down the street buying a uh, internal combustion engine, well, that he shouldn't get that, you know, because you know you you the Tesla owner, you're impoverished. Uh, you need that break. That's that's the thinking there, I guess. This is not the job of government. This is serious questions for the First Amendment. Um, I don't really think you can be an effective watchdog uh, because people do not bite the hand that feeds them, and by doing this, the government would become the hand that feeds a whole bunch of institutions that it does not currently feed, as I make air quotes. So bad idea, don't do it. Even if you and I would benefit from it or our employers would benefit from it, terrible idea. There are better ways to address the problems uh, in disappearing local news coverage across the country. Think of all the things the liberal media are willing to do for free. Now think, <laughs> not, now think of what they'd do if they actually were getting paid by the government uh, to report that the way they do and just uh, dial everything up to 11. Although if Republicans had control uh, briefly of everything like they did a couple of years ago, uh, then maybe the media would be temporarily nice to them in hopes that uh, the funding would stay, which of course it wouldn't, uh, at least it shouldn't. And then uh, then they'd really hate the Republicans. But uh, anyway, uh, just- so Republicans would be tempted to not take it away because then it would get bad coverage. <laughs> yes. Right. That's, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, like any like any entitlement program, you know, once it's there, it's hard to get rid of, which is one of the big reasons we got to get rid of this bill. Make sure it doesn't actually pass. Although the bigger uh, realistic hope might be to whittle it down as much as possible. We'll talk about that in the next martini. In the meantime, let's talk about ways to uh, de-stress um, because you don't want the stress of daily life weighing on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or, or someone like us just trying to make it through the day tension-free, 
Theragun can really help. And I got to tell you, I love the Theragun because uh, it's just exactly what you need after a stressful day. Whether you're tense, whether you actually have sore muscles, you just take the Theragun right to the muscles. And it also uh, starts to learn your patterns and uh, starts to come up with a routine for you. So the Theragun is highly endorsed in the Columbus household. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And it is as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of your pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Now, whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or you're trying to recover from an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. A scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. That's what the Bears and the Jets are supposed to be. Theragun actually delivers on these things. It is an absolutely fabulous therapy uh, for your sore and aching muscles and whatever other needs you might have for it. But uh, Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash martini, therabody.com slash martini. All right, Jim, right back to the bloated bill, whether it's three and a half trillion, five trillion, six trillion, whatever you're thinking it's going to be immediately in over 10 years. Uh, now, the argument from the Democrats is that the cost is not three and a half trillion, Jim. It's not five trillion. It's actually going to be zero because they're going to raise taxes on corporations and super rich people like they're going to get three and a half trillion dollars doing that. And so therefore, it's actually free. AP, what will it cost to enact President Joe Biden's massive expansion of social programs? Congress has authorized spending up to $3.5 trillion over a decade, but Biden is prodding Democrats to fully cover the cost of legislation by raising taxes on corporations and the wealthy, negotiating the price of prescription drugs, and dialing up other sources of federal revenue, such as increased IRS funding. That's to look into your bank account. The idea is that entire package should pay for itself. Defending a bill not yet fully drafted, Democrats are determined to avoid a deficit finance spending spree. They're growing frustrated by the focus on the proposed $3.5 trillion total, arguing far too little attention is being paid to the work they're doing to balance the books. We pay for everything we spend, Biden said at the White House. It's going to be zero. Zero. So... Jim, uh, obviously this is complete nonsense. Uh, we've already spent trillions upon trillions upon trillions in COVID relief. Now they're claiming they're raising taxes to offset this. We know they can't do it, at least in the parameters that they claim they are on corporations and uh, people making north of $400,000 a year. So they're clearly lying. Why are they trying to spin it this way? Is it just to get Mansion and Cinema on board? Well, Greg, before we go any further, listeners, I want you to take a moment and let's just appreciate how good Greg's Joe Biden impression has gotten. <laughs> what you picked up on is the cadence of almost every Joe Biden speech, which basically comes down to shout, 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 whisper, 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 shout, 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 whisper, whisper, whisper. That's how every Biden speech goes. And even comes up in his, his regular conversations. One of the lines that jumps out in this AP article about this idea of, oh, it pays for itself. 
defending a bill not yet fully drafted. Greg, I'd really like to see the bill. I think that's I think that'd be a really important thing. To yes, I know you got negotiations. Yes, you have people saying, oh, I don't vote for it. But at some point, you need to have something on paper that people can look at and say, ah, this is what the bill does. And this would resolve very quickly about whether it would uh, pay for itself. Right now, I don't know how much people are out there are following the coverage, but every single thing is like, look, right now, congressional Democrats, the progressive wing and the, the centrists and moderates are trying to you know, hammer out a framework which would develop an outline, which would then be turned into a plan, which would lead to a declaration of values, which would lay out a... <laughs> It's always like this 14-step process, and then we'll get to what the bill says. I'd really love to see what does the bill actually say, because then we would say, okay, well, let's look at what this tax increase does. And you can have the Congressional Budget Office, and you can have independent groups like the Tax Foundation run the numbers on that and see what it says. And oh, by the way, every one of these ideas you've seen, raising taxes and negotiating the price of prescription drugs, Greg, if you and I had a dime for every time Democrats insisted negotiating the price of prescription drugs was going to cause these huge savings down the road, we'd be able to afford all of our prescription drugs. That's how much money it would be. Uh, increased IRS funding, they're always talking about. There's always the idea, oh, they're always convinced that there's like trillions of dollars in behind, behind the couch cushions. That, that's always their, their variation of that. Um, they always pick the rosiest scenarios. They never recognize the fact that if you say, we're gonna tax this activity higher, but we're gonna you know, not tax this activity nearly as much, then people who have the ability to move their money around are gonna move their money away from the high tax things and into the lower tax things. And lo and behold, you know, like, for example, they might decide to go employ a whole bunch of journalists because you get $50,000 off of that one. Tax code influences behavior. People want to figure out how to pay the least amount of taxes they can. And if you have a shelter, they're going to put into the shelter. Like, say, the Met Gala, right? You know, AOC's favorite get together, right? The idea of, like, you know, you, you pay a, a $30,000, $35,000 for a ticket. It supports the Met school on, uh, on design. And you get to take pictures with celebrities. And that's, you know, and oh, by the way, you just donated $30,000 to $35,000 to a charity, which you deduct against your tax bill at the end of the year. Democrats are always in denial of this. But now the idea that, you know, we can get all this, this stuff and it's not going to cost us anything. By the way, Greg, weren't these the same people who are like, you know, justifiably irate about we're going to build a big, beautiful wall and Mexico's going to pay for it? You know, all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 yeah. no we're going to, you know, it's all going to be free. It's all going to cost zero. It's so predictable. It's ridiculous. I don't think it's also like if you're a Joe Manchin or you're a Kirsten Cinema, you're gonna you're gonna sign on because of this. Really? Are, are you that much of a mark? Are you that easily fooled? Do you need that little a fig leaf? I guess we're gonna see, Greg. The IRS, uh, in addition to going through your bank account, you know what increased IRS funding means? Audits for everybody. And it's not just the rich, I have a feeling, because uh, like you said, they're going to be looking for the loose change behind the couch cushions wherever they can get it. So uh, regardless of how honest you are in your taxes, uh, they're probably going to make your life miserable. So anyway, that's only if it passes, though. So get those uh, emails and, and phone calls going, because this is huge. This is huge. All right, let's talk about uh, Omaha Steaks. Man, I'm so thankful for our advertisers today. They're, they're the oasis of sanity uh, on more than one occasion here today. Love Omaha Steaks. Uh, I've been having Omaha Steaks for uh, over nine years now. Uh, 
as I've mentioned many times, got him as a gift uh, right around the time our first daughter was born. Huge help that we didn't have to go out and, and get extra food. The, the the meat was right there and we grilled it and we cooked it and it was just fantastic. And now uh, their products are getting even better. I mean, they've got the bacon wrapped filet mignon. How do you possibly beat that? It's so good. The flavor combination is amazing. So get a jump on all your planning with easy, quality, delicious meals for those busy work and school nights. Just go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code martini into the search bar and order the deluxe grill out assortment. It includes more than 30 entrees that you can share with your family. Uh, I've talked about the bacon wrapped filet mignon, but the burgers are fantastic. So are the hot dogs, the sides. Love all of it. Plus, you'll save over 50% right now with our code, and you'll get 12 free burgers, which are basically a steak between buns. So you really can't go wrong. That also includes boneless chicken breast, boneless pork chops, gourmet jumbo franks, all beef meatballs, sides, and desserts. Visit omahasteaks.com, keyword martini, to save over 50% when you order the deluxe grill-out assortment. Plus, you'll get those 12 free Omaha Steaks burgers. So keep making memories with the ones you love with Omaha Steaks. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword martini. All right, Jim. Let's talk about our third crazy martini, but this one actually has me feeling more optimistic because uh, Beto is making a lot of noise about running for governor of Texas. Uh, that's assuming Matthew McConaughey doesn't run, although Matthew McConaughey just gave an interview talking about how he doesn't like to get up before 9 o'clock. That might be a problem. If you're governor of Texas, you might have to deal with some things before 9 a.m. But uh, Beto O'Rourke is very upset with the Biden administration with how it's handled specifically the Haitian migrant crisis at Del Rio uh, in, in the last couple of weeks. And he wrote an op-ed for what's called El Paso Matters. And he says, none of this should have been a surprise to our government. We have diplomatic missions in each of these countries and an unrivaled global intelligence network. Immigration and undocumented border crossings have been a consistently pressing challenge for years. How could we not see this coming? And once the Haitians arrived, why was our government so slow to respond, leaving the people of Del Rio and the Border Patrol to their own devices? The disregard for border communities and the over-reliance on already stressed federal law enforcement produced conditions that ultimately led to the unforgettable and unforgivable scene of mounted officers charging into the mass of unarmed immigrants. Unfortunately, stung by the outcry and caught without a plan, the Biden administration used a cynical Trump-era policy known as Title 42 to immediately and without due process repatriate Haitians back to the country they left a decade ago, one whose streets are now ruled by gangs and criminals, so antithetical to our values and our common humanity that the administration's own envoy to Haiti resigned in disgust. So, Jim, he's going to the left of the Biden administration here, saying they weren't nice enough to, to all the Haitians pulled at the border. Now, as we found out over the weekend, the Biden administration was completely lying about sending most of these people back to Haiti. Mayorkas on Fox News Sunday admitted that about at least 12,000 of them were just let into the U.S. and uh, supposedly were hoping they'll show up for their court date. But Beto now is basically accusing the Biden administration of acting like the Trump administration on the border. So if he's the Democratic nominee for governor in Texas, which has to be completely disgusted with what's happening at the border, he's going to get absolutely trounced. So in a way, this could be a good martini, but his approach to this issue is insane. Greg, the more you read those quotes, the more I was like, eh, maybe this isn't a crazy martini. I, I kind of want to see this. This is, you know, because like in the end, like Beto O'Rourke would be in Texas running against Biden effectively, arguing that Biden is too tough in his enforcement of immigration laws. 
I, I'm trying, you know, you know, on top of, hell yeah, we're going to take your AR-15. <laughs> on top of every other uh, problem that Beto O'Rourke has, first and foremost, that he's Beto O'Rourke. And before we go any further, like, I know this isn't the sort of thing that tries to show up in, in that, that tends to show up in attack ads or something. But um, it, it came out a little bit in one of those, you know, like, remember, you know, 2018, every single publication in the country, or at least almost every major publication, including a whole bunch that were not that political, wrote these long profile pieces of Beto work. The one in Texas Monthly, I think it was like 10, 12, 14 pages. And they just gushed about this guy. And I kept reading through him, waiting for his accomplishments. And he's just, he was an El Paso city councilman who, you know, his local guy retired. He, or um, he, he hustled on a campaign. He didn't you know, get credit his work ethic, but, you know, he represented a very democratic district and uh, was nothing special. And he just, you know, had this charisma that everybody just kind of fell in love with in large part because, you know, Democrats across the country hated Ted Cruz's guts and just wanted to. And the moment he was not running against Ted Cruz, Democrats were significantly less uh, enthusiastic about it. But in one of these profiles, there was this, you know, about how he has this wacky sense of humor and everybody loves him. And he's got, he's like, full of wacky pranks. And in one of them, he allegedly took one of the poop of his children. This was, you know, back when they were, you know, in diapers and offered it to his wife, claiming that it was guacamole. Oh my gosh, that's right. Like that, I I think you should get committed for that sort of thing. (laughs) You tried to get your wife to eat poop, you lunatic. What the hell's wrong with you? Greg would never do this in a million years. I'd never do this in a million years, but there would not be a three martini lunch if either one of us tried this. Straight up, <laughs> I'm telling you now, right? You know, so the, the idea, like, like, so everyone's like, oh, what a wacky prankster, that lighthearted, jovial jester. But no, this man is a psychopath. He's trying to feed his wife poop. What's wrong with you? Governor, this man belongs in a sanitarium, you know. Anyway, so that I, I don't know if uh, Abbott or, or somebody else will particularly go after that line of, of attack. But I do think that is one of the aspects of beta work that jumps out. The second thing is, I think, is knowledge of issues. Like it, it's not, he's not completely an idiot, but it's relatively shallow. And I think one of the more enjoyable moments of the interminable Democratic presidential debates of the 2020 cycle was Julian Castro basically taking him to school and observing that he didn't, you know, uh, you know, Bader O'Rourke knew his talking points and he didn't know much more beyond that in, in terms of the details of the policy. And just generally, I've always gotten the vibe that deep down, Bader O'Rourke really, really, really wants to be a rock star. And a career in politics was just kind of the stepping stone to that. <laughs> but he's not that he's not that into the governing thing. He really just wants to be a rock star. And he figured if he became like president of the United States, that could be a good stepping stone for his music career. If he chooses to run, it certainly sounds like he wants to run. Um, he's going to suck up an enormous amount of resources. Democrats across the country are still going to donate to him because, you know, you know, it's like, like DeSantis is their number public enemy number one. They can't stand him. But I think Abbott is really starting to creep up there. And just the general I hate Texas attitude that uh, the Democrats, you know, in deep blue states and deep blue cities across the country feel for Texas. I could see, you know, Beta O'Rourke going out and raising another $40 million. That's another $40 million that aren't being spent uh, in more competitive states and more competitive races. So in a way, this is really good. On the other hand, the fact that Bader O'Rourke is, you know, running, a, you know, denouncing Biden for being too tough on illegal immigration and not being laughed off the stage 
is kind of a crazy moment in our national politics. No, that is exactly right. And of course, you know, Beto was competitive against Ted Cruz in 2018, but there are a couple of factors that won't be there in 2022. Number one, he won't be running against Ted Cruz, who's clearly more polarizing than Greg Abbott, although the Democrats will, will try to make Abbott polarizing. And secondly, uh, you know, Democrats were fired up by a president that they didn't like very much. Well, that's going to be Republicans in 2022. They're going to be fired up by this administration. It's a litany of failures and and horrible, uh, horrible policies and arrogance and everything else. So uh, a lot of this is going to be reversed from what we saw four years earlier. So uh, assuming Abbott is able to be the nominee again, uh, he's, I think, going to be in much better shape against Beto than even Ted Cruz was four years ago. So uh, Democrats, do what you're going to do in Texas. But uh, if Beto's the nominee, I got a good feeling come election night. Jim, that's the best news of the day, clearly. So I'm glad we ended there. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks very much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. We are very, very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Joe Biden abandoned Americans and allies in Afghanistan, and now his decisions are spawning a genocide there. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I'll explain how the Biden administration is constantly lying to us and rolling over for the Taliban. I'll also bring on a good friend of mine to discuss how the terrorists that our government is expecting to behave are slaughtering the people of Panjshir. You won't hear this anywhere else. Subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.